Welcome to IVF Tales, a podcast hoping to make the world of fertility treatment less lonely. We want to start conversations about different fertility journeys to empower your decisions and build a community that understands. Each week we will speak to someone whose journey to having a child has taken a little bit more than a few vodka cruises. We are your hosts, Tiffany and Amy. This is episode three of Amanda and Alana's interview. Um, So in this episode, we're talking about their next round of IVF, um, what they're looking at doing, PGF testing. Um, We also discuss another miscarriage and BMC in this episode. Yep. Um, Alana had a lot of back pain too, I think, during mm -hmm. that. And... She sort of delves into that a little bit because she ended up needing to have spinal surgery um, after that yeah. as well. So she was recovering from that when we interviewed them as well. Yeah. And th- yeah, oh, mate, this this couple has been through so much. And, um, you know, I know I said it earlier with the intro to the other um, episode, but I just can't stress enough how amazing it is that these, these women are willing to put themselves out there and tell their story in this much depth. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so they basically yeah. talk a lot about too how their fertility treatment has impacted their relationships around them. Um, and at the end, they touch on reciprocal IVF, um, where Amanda is now doing stim cycles to produce eggs for Alana to carry. So we didn't talk too much about that. And we are hoping to sort of touch base with Alana and Amanda again to do a quick update. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's really, yeah. really interesting. So really, they also, yeah, go, go. <laughs> they also run a um, Instagram where they share a lot of their oh, stories. Do, yes. So we'll, we'll link that as well in our posts and in the show notes. Yeah, and yeah, there's a lot of valuable information on there as well. Yeah, they've been so open with their journey on social media, which again is just so valuable and so important to destigmatizing not only IVF but same sex um, mm-hmm. journeys to having children, you know, um, the same sex journey to having their families. Um, and I think also um, Alana runs a little IVF print store on Etsy. Yep. Um, let's call it Love Prints. So we'll also link her little business. Um, for those of you, and they're really super cute, so we'll also link you with those in the yeah, show notes I, as well. I think too it's great for same-sex couples because I know there's not a lot out there geared towards same-sex, same-sex couples, couples yeah. when it comes to those milestone cards and those sorts of things. Yep, so exactly. And I think um, in saying that, since speaking with Sam and Rob, I have mm-hmm. – made it my mission there's a really beautiful journal i'm going to do a quick shout out and I'll, again i'll post a link in the show notes um it's called the little dreamer journal mm-hmm. so um it's a col- collab between um Gemma peanut and a lady called emma i think her name is um anyway we'll link it and their journal is completely gender neutral um and gender fluid so it's inclusive of all family types and it's not tacky you know how you can sort yep. of get those real shit tacky ones yeah 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 that's not like it's beautiful i can't wait yeah. to sort of have another baby just so i can fill that out because i'm addicted oh, to doing that. Yeah. <laughs> i'm i'm still feeling in my first one <laughs> like you know i would actually think that would be such a great business where people send me their memories of their children and oh, i just fill it in God. for them yes <laughs> And uh, we'll talk about this off air. Yeah. But. <laughs> so I'll also I'll also I'll... link that. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, guys, um, we really hope you enjoy listening to this final episode of Alana and Amanda's story. Um, if you have any questions, I think they're probably going to be happy to answer them. Um, just head to our latest post on Insta and let us know how um, if you have any questions or how you felt listening to these episodes. Um, a really big thank you for supporting us too and coming this far and listening to our podcast. So, yeah, have a good one. Thanks, guys. It's not pretty, right? But yeah. the thing is, like, you keep turning up. Yeah. Like, you keep. Oh, at the end of the day, you know, like, you know, we do love each other and it's like, I love you, but sometimes I fucking hate you. Yeah. But that, that's resilience, isn't yeah. it? Like that's, that's yeah. ultimately. It doesn't feel like it, right? Because you do feel like you're failing all the time because yep. it's not pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and other people would look at it and go, fuck that, walk away, fuck it. Mm. Like, why do you need to put up with that? And it's like, well, yeah. the external factors is just yeah. insane. And yeah. no one knows what you're going to do in that situation until you're in it, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's um, exactly right. And that's what I mean. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I'm not sure, like, emotionally how you guys are at the moment. But I just, yeah, the word that keeps coming to mind for me when I think about you guys is just resilience. And I'm just amazed at the constant you know, just, yeah, like it's shit and you're admitting that and you're being really honest about it and that's so great. But at the same yeah. time, you're still so aware of yourselves at the moment, you know, like how you're presenting to us. It's just yeah. I think that's a really point that you should be really proud of yourselves for, hey, yeah. seriously. Yeah, I'm sure one day we'll look back on it and be like, oh, well, yeah, we were really strong. I yeah. think we're still we're still in the fertility journey at the moment. So. Yeah. We've got a long way to go until mm-hmm. yeah. we we have what we want. But yeah, yeah. totally can so. see that. Yeah, right, um, so we're in December two thousand and nineteen, <laughs> and I was determined to you know start an IVF cycle in two thousand and nineteen to still get that rebate. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's got to be economical now. We've got to. <laughs> yeah be strategic with what yeah. we can do with our last bit of money literally our last bit of money yeah. and um so we started that um the doctor had you know a completely different plan for me he wanted to do a long cycle um because you know it appeared that i responded better to that we started injections on christmas day um we weren't going to do ICSI because you know, this doctor's opinion was... He wanted well, to try and keep it as natural as possible. Yeah. On obviously doing IVF, but as natural yeah. as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And his opinion was why we use the ICSI when there's no male factor infertility. Um, there's, you know, there's just no point. Um, so we went through the cycle and everything was looking great. Um, usually for IVF, they triggered me when the follicles follicles were about 16 mil and estrogen was about 5,000. Uh, and this time I was kind of pushed and the follicles got to about 20 mil and the estrogen was 10,000 when I triggered. So, you know, it, it was just a huge difference already. There was about 10 to 12 follicles there. Um, so I had egg collection and got 10 eggs, um, which was great. Um, we were concerned at that point about the kind of the 50% drop off that, you know, we might end up with only one or two again, but, you know, we kept being told quality over quantity. Mm. Um, you only need one, all that, all those lovely the toxic yeah. positivity stuff again. Yeah. 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 So we kept going, um, you know, we've, we've got the app so we can see the embryos growing at day three all eight were still growing and we're like wow that's amazing you know and they all looked great got to day five uh went in for the transfer and the embryologist said all eight are still going um and we couldn't believe it you know it was seemingly our best cycle and um there was one embryo there that looked great that they were going to use for the fresh transfer and then there was another three that were able to be PGS tested. Um, so, well, great. You know, our aim for this cycle was to do PGS testing because we hadn't done it before and we wanted to try and pick up if there was any kind of issues with my embryos. Um, so it was great, you know, transferred this beautiful-looking hatching blast assist on day five and went off for our two-week wait again. Um and and again, that was kind of over the the Christmas break. So it was nice that, you know, uh, again, I was doing progesterone support. So it was nice that I just got to be off work and do that, um, not not have to worry about getting up and, and going to work. And, you know, you know, progesterone support's not kind of pretty. It's messy. It's messy. Um, it's melting it's leaking were you doing them vaginally or rectally vaginally yeah if you can get the like i've just done the rectal ones recently Uh, like changed my life 
Game changed my life and because I was doing them vaginally as well and sorry this is a little tangent but we were doing utrogesterone so like the little gel Uh, things but instead my doctor because my body wasn't absorbing the progesterone so he put me on Ori Pro which is like a bullet shaped waxy one so it just like pops straight in your butthole like sucks it straight up it's so like done in 10 seconds and then it doesn't leak at all Uh, yeah so is that like in a thick like metal packet? Yeah, yeah you yeah. can pop them in your bum, and it's like honestly, it's really like I was really funny about it because I was like, "Ew, this is disgusting." <laughs> yeah. Um, but then I just laid on the bed, and it was so much easier. So definitely, if you guys try that, because that limits the mess. Ah, good to know. Anyway, yeah. I love a good hack and game changer. Yeah, <laughs> fertility hack. Fertility. Yeah. 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 Um. Yeah, so it's like going through the two week wait, um, and and at this stage, Amanda just did not want me to do any home tests. Um, yeah, I'd had enough of home tests. Like we we did them on every fucking cycle, yeah. and that that line is just it's been known to set us up for some fucking punishment later yeah. on and so I just did not want to know I did not want to know at all mm-hmm. I hated them I hated them and I begged Alana just this cycle can we just not do it like, it's just not it's too much of a it's too hard it's yeah. too hard yeah but two day two oh no sorry the day of the transfer um Amanda went to, where'd you go? You went to Ben. Uh, Amanda's a drummer. So she went to like her practice session and I was at home by myself and I got that pulling feeling in my uterus and I was like, no, like that's way too early. Like what is going on? Like surely, like I've only just had the transfer today. That can't be implantation. Absolutely no way. I was like, no, don't even think about it. Um, you know, continued on. A few little things were happening here and there. You know, my boobs were starting to get sore. I was tired, but I was pretty convinced that it was just the progesterone. Um, so it just kind of continued on, you know, kind of towards the week weight. I was like, okay, no, hasn't worked. Um, you know, whatever. We're just we're just going to have to deal with this. Um, and... And up until that point, I hadn't tested, and I I didn't test until two days before the blood test. Um, and yeah, I I woke up one morning at about four a.m. and I kind of thought, all right, just do it, just do the test, just do the test. And I had like just this internal dialogue saying like, no, don't do it, don't do it, you're stupid, like it's negative, you're just going to see a negative. And on the other hand, I was just like, no, just do it. Just get it over and done with just so you can know. Um, so I got up, I did it, and just went back to bed and just left it. Um, my alarm went off at 6. And I just laid there and I was like, all right, you know, let's come on. I just had to give myself this full-on pep talk of come on, get up, come on, just go, just go look at it, just do it, just do it. Got into the bathroom, just stood there for a while just staring at the wall like again just giving myself a pep talk and eventually I picked it up and it was positive like it was really positive and I hadn't had any like pregnal or or anything to make it a false positive um so it was positive on its own and I just put it back down and I was just like nope 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 um you know got in the shower got back out again and looked at it still positive and I was just like, ah, okay, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And just, like, put it away. Didn't tell Amanda. Um, you know, did one the next morning. And it was a bit darker. And I was like, wow, okay. So Amanda was meant to be going out that night. And <laughs> so once again, held my pee. Got home, did another did another test when I got home from work. But Amanda came home because she wasn't feeling very well, so she didn't go out. Um, and so, like, as I was peeing on that test, the line was coming up. Um, so, 
it, like it was very positive and I, you know, I hadn't seen that before. And in that split second, I kind of thought, all right, well, the blood test is tomorrow, but this is really positive. There's no denying that I'm pregnant. So I'll tell Amanda that'll cheer her up. <laughs> so I called her into the bathroom. Spoiler alert, it did not. <laughs> I called her into the bathroom and just showed her these tests, like grinning. And just got this, like, no, 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 less than, <laughs> less than desirable response, um, which was just devastating because I was, I was so happy um, that it was positive and she just didn't want to know about it. It was just like, nope, 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 don't want to know, like, don't show me. It like, just, it just brought back all the previous times where we've just seen it and I was like, no, nah, nope, nope. I was like, no, nah, fuck off, no. Nah. <laughs> what is it? What, what drugs are you still on? What, what are we playing with here? What's going on? Like, could it be this? Could it be that? And it, it took me like an hour to even go, okay, fuck. No, that's okay. That's, that's positive. That's positive. I, you know, I'm saying to her, like, no, like, there's nothing in my system right now that can give me a false positive. Like, this is all me. Like, I'm pregnant. Like, do another one. Do another one. <laughs> we'll do another one first thing this morning. Let's line them all up and let's see what what colour scale we're dealing with here. And, you know, um, bring 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 up that photo of the first time that we were actually pregnant. Let's compare it. Let's Let's contract contrast you know um everything so we did all that and you know got up super early went for my blood test and the nurse called me uh at about 10 a.m and said you know congratulations you're pregnant and my hcg level was the highest it had ever been so i was like shit like this is you know wow this is gonna work you know this is amazing and you know, I walked downstairs shaking the lobby and, you know, because I was at work and called Amanda and just said, like, it's positive, like, and this is a level. And, and she had the same response. She's like, that's way higher than last time. And I said, yeah, I know. And we were like, wow, okay, this is going to work. And so this is it. This <laughs> is it, you know. Um, and we had this, like, happy little bubble for a couple of hours. A couple of hours <laughs> until... The embryologist called with the PGS testing results of the other embryos and said, I hear you've had good news today. I said, yeah, yeah. And she said, congratulations. I said, yeah, thank you. And she said, I don't have good news for you. <laughs> and I said, oh. And she said, yeah, so you tested three embryos. Um, two are abnormal and not compatible with life, so they will be discarded. And the third is a chaotic mosaic. And it only has a 5% chance of implantation. And at that point, like, my world just came crumbling down because I was just like, well, how is, how is this pregnancy meant to last if my other embryos are so poor? You know, and she assured me that every embryo is different. It didn't mean anything for this pregnancy. But, yeah, and we just... I just knew at that point that this pregnancy wasn't going to last. And, you know, I went, I didn't tell Amanda while she was at work. I waited until we got home and I told her. And, um, you know, it absolutely burst our bubble and brought us back down to reality. And we thought, you know, like everything else goes wrong. Like if there's a small percentage chance of something going wrong, it happens every time. Yeah. And, you know, of course, something had to burst our bubble. Like, it just, it was too good to be true. And um, so we didn't tell anybody that we're doing this IVF cycle, um, except for my parents. And, um, you know, so we went around and, and told them that I was pregnant, but about the PGS embryos. And, you know, there was no congratulations for being pregnant. And, you know, just because everyone was so terrified um, of something going wrong again, like, it, it's not that they weren't happy for us. They were scared for they us. They were scared for us, you know. Um, and that, that was really tough, like, not having this celebration. That was really tough. But, we, you know, I, I don't hold it against them because it's, you know, it was absolutely really tough. Um, and so we decided not to tell any of the other family 
we were just so terrified, you know, we just wanted to get through our first scan and especially my family, like we're my son's family was still grieving for Christ's sake. Yeah, like that too, that too. Yeah. I, I couldn't just... tell them this as yeah. well. Like it was too much. Yeah, it was too much. And um you know I was exhausted. Yeah. I had boobs were sore and I I did start feeling sick. And I kind of thought, well, all right, well, this didn't happen last time, you know. Um, and that weekend I had a nap and I never nap. Like, I never just fall asleep. And so I was like, okay, well, all right. Um, Monday morning on the train going to work, I had this, like, weird thing where my vision just went really blurry. Um, and I Googled it and apparently, like, that can also be a pregnancy symptom of, um, you know, like more blood rushing through your system and it can, you know, cause problems with you. But, you know, it's nothing to be concerned about. It's like, okay, I kind of ate something, got my, like, blood sugar under control and, like, everything was fine. That day at work, I felt really, really sick. Um, and the next day, felt really, really sick. Like, I was like, okay, well, you know, maybe this is picking up here. Um, you know, just like constantly grabbing my boobs to like make sure they were still sore, yeah. um, like a crazy person. Even even me every day. How are your boobs today? They sore? They still sore? How sore are they? Like, like how sore are they? In a, like from yesterday? Are they still like you know? Yeah. And um, you know, I was getting blood tests, and my HCG level was rising perfectly. Uh, we started the spreadsheet to calculate how much percentage it was rising every time. <laughs> Was it enough? Was it, is it falling behind? Oh, no, it's still, it's still going good percentage-wise. It's still good. It's, um, I believe we did a graph. We did a graph. Yeah. <laughs> you know. You're um, speaking Tiffany's language right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, like, I have an entire spreadsheet of every single blood test I've ever had. Um, yeah. Know, I'm just, I'm a nut. And, um, you know, it was like things kind of started looking okay. And then... The next day, I just had absolutely no symptoms. And I had an appointment booked with my GP anyway, and she kind of said, no, look, like, you know, you don't feel sick 24-7. You don't, you don't necessarily feel sick 24-7. She's like, they can come and go, you know, it's like any other sickness, you know, it comes in waves. And I was like, okay, all right. She kind of reassured me, but, you know, she's been there the whole time, so... She was cautiously optimistic for us as we were. Um, you know, we spoke about my options for, uh, you know, for what I wanted to do for pregnancy care and, and birth, um, which had completely changed since the first time because um, I've done so much more research. And, you know, I was booked in for an ultrasound at six weeks, so you know just hoping for the best but you know we got to just before the ultrasound and I said to Amanda I was like look I don't have any symptoms like let's not muck around here it's not going to be good and she said yeah all right fair enough like I'll, I'll trust that you know your body and that this is right um so we, we went in for this ultrasound um yeah, yeah so we went in for this ultrasound and you know, I've been for a million ultrasounds by this point. Yeah. And, you know, I kind of said to the technician, like, look, we've done, we've done this before. Yeah, we've done this before. We've had a miscarriage. We're absolutely terrified. And she's like, all right, you know, that's okay. Look, I'll, I'm going to tell you as soon as I know. Yeah, as be, soon as I know something, I'm going to tell you. Yeah, she said, I'm going to be completely honest with you. And I just start taking my pants off. For <laughs> <laughs> an internal? Says, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And she's just like, oh, oh, hang on. I'll, 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 I'll get I'll out of the room first. So Ayla's just like dacking herself, ready to like, go, get, get in the seat. Yeah. And I kind of said to her, I'm like, oh, sorry, like, I do IVF. So I'm just like so used to just yeah. like getting your badge out for everyone. Yeah. yeah. She's like, oh, okay. And, um, you know, so we did the scan and we can see this perfect um, yolk sac. And um, it was not like last time. It was a little, know, a little bigger, a little bigger, and it just looked perfect. We could so, see your heartbeat. Yeah, we could we could see 
the baby. We could see a flutter. We could yeah. see a flutter. Um, but I, I just knew. I wasn't expecting there to be a heartbeat, but I just knew something wasn't right. And they said to us, like, look, there's a heartbeat, but it's not great news. The baby hasn't grown as much as it should have. It's measuring behind, and the heartbeat is slow. And I was like... And irregular. Slow and irregular. And I was just like, well, okay. Um, And we're just like, okay... So what do, we, what do we do? What do we do? You know, we're just completely flawed. And they were like, uh, I don't really know. We'll, we'll have to get you to speak to the doctor. And she said, oh, I'll just take you to this waiting room. Let me just call the doctor and I'll get back to you. I said, okay. At the same time, <laughs> Amanda's getting all these, like, text messages. I'm getting text messages from work and phone calls from work. And I'm like, what's going on? We're in this little room. Alana calls her mum to say, hey, we've had the scan, but it's, it's not all great news. We don't know what's going on with that at the moment. Um, the doctor's just looking over the scans, and then they're going to have a chat to us. And at this point in time, I call back work, and they're saying, can you get on this call? It's really important. And I'm like, fuck. I started reading some other stuff, and I was like, oh, shit, I'm going to lose my job. Excellent. So... <laughs> I get on this meeting, sitting in this waiting room, Alana's talking to her mother. I'm on this work meeting. I was right. I was going to be made redundant at some point later in that year. Oh um, there was a change in direction, and I was just like, uh, okay, going to hang up on that. I looked to Alana and said, probably not going to have a job at the end of the year. Um, and we just looked at each other. And I was laughed. just like, what the fuck? We just laughed because at that point, we were just like, what, okay, sure. <laughs> what else can happen? Like, uh, we just felt like absolute train wrecks at this point. Like, just these, like, out of the blue things just keep kept going wrong, you know? Mm-hmm. And the technician came back to the room and said, look, I've spoken to the doctor. He wants you to come back in a, in a week for another scan, but he doesn't think that there will be a heartbeat next week. And she's but, like, I'm, you know, yeah. I'm so sorry. And we said, look, you know, at this point, you know, we were well versed in this. We knew, like, and that was no surprise. So we're like, yeah, okay, all right, off we go. Um, so spoke to, you know, our fertility doctor, well, the receptionist, and um, I was just like, right, so, you know, there's not going to be a heartbeat, so I'm going to have to book in for a DNC. And she was kind of like, oh, well, we, you know, let's let's not go there yet. And I was kind of like, you know. <laughs> no, we're going there. Let's just book it in. I just need to plan this. Like, you know, what am I going to do? Like, do I go to the early pregnancy unit? Like, you know, do I just go to emergency again? Like, what do I do? Um, and they kind of said, well, well, no, like, you can have the DNC with us. Like, you can have it privately, you know, with your doctor. And I was like, oh, okay, well you know, last time was such a disaster. So, yeah, we'll take that option. So when does he do it? She was a bit like, all right, look, I'm going to tentatively book you in, but, you know, let's just see what the next scan brings. And I was like, okay, all right. So throughout this entire time, kind of since October, I'd I'd had really bad back pain and, like, back and leg pain. Um but kind of as soon as I started the IVF cycle with all the injections and the hormones, it just got really bad. And I was in so much pain. I could barely walk. Like Amanda was having to help me get dressed and, and whatnot. And, you know, people talk about kind of the, the pregnancy hormone relaxing and how, you know, that can cause sciatica and um, like, pelvic girdle pain and, and all this kind of stuff and that is no joke that is absolutely no joke like it is the most painful thing I have ever been through um and you should mention you've done a high cozy without being sedated so your pain threshold is pretty uh, high mm-hmm. yeah. yeah I I honestly don't know how I, I was getting through it um you know but you know we had no other choice I just had to get through it and you know so 
we went back for the second scan a week later and um oh no sorry first um yeah so i was in so much pain and i was like okay like there is something wrong i think maybe it's an ectopic pregnancy or something there's something very wrong i'm in so much pain i don't understand what's going on and i knew that there was an early pregnancy unit at one of our local hospitals and i said to amanda like you've got to take me to the hospital. Like, we have to go to this pregnancy unit. Like, I cannot deal with this pain anymore. So we went. They put you in a waiting room with a bunch of heavily pregnant women waiting to have their C-sections. It's also right next to the maternity ward, so some of the mothers would just be wheeling newborns in and out. (laughs) And you know that you're going to have a miscarriage. Um, And you know, this OB comes and speaks to me and just kind of says, look, like, I don't know what you want. Like, there's nothing that I can do. Just go home and take Panadol. Um, And I was like, you know, but what if it's an ectopic pregnancy? And they kind of said, look, you had a scan and it's not. Like, I don't know. The pain's just unrelated. Just take Panadol. Okay, so... You know, I was just furious, but we went home, continued on, went for our second scan, and we we kind of, you know, we'd we'd been warned that there would probably be no heartbeat, but something told me that wasn't over. It wasn't over yet. Mm -hmm. Um, um, It wasn't. The baby had grown slightly. And the heartbeat had gotten a little faster, but it was nowhere where it should be. For at that point, I was eight weeks. Um, and so again, they said, "All right, we'll come back in a week, but you're probably gonna, you know, either start miscarrying or when you come back in a week, there's not going to be a heartbeat." Okay, yep. The sac was still very strong. Like, yeah, you could see it hadn't like kind of started to flame. Yeah. In the first one, we could see it was deflating and crumbling and whatnot, but this was so intact. Like, if it wasn't for the size and the heartbeat, you would have thought, like, that's really strong, right? It's really defined. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it definitely wasn't going anywhere. Yeah, and so, you know, it was another week of waiting. I was just in excruciating pain by this point um, and just, you know, having to go to work every day. Um, also, by this point, like COVID nineteen started picking up. Um, we started having the first cases in Australia, and uh, you know, I don't know if it was so much of a worry at that point, but you know, it, it started to be fairly concerning being pregnant or you know, kind of in this vulnerable situation and, and that kind of floating around. And you know, so we went in for the third scan and. The heartbeat had stopped, which, you know, we weren't surprised. It, we took this a lot differently this time. You know, we knew what was going to happen. There was no shock. I think we mourned from the first scan because okay. we knew that it wasn't. And if it was going to be, con, like, continuing, it, that would be positive, but it probably wasn't. Mm. So I think we, we had time to mourn gradually, I guess. Mm. Um, and I, a little part of me was happy that it stopped on its own. We did not have to make a decision. Yeah, at one point to, there was talks of, um, you know, us having to make a decision to medically intervene, mm-hmm. um, you know, or take medications that would, you know, would definitely cause a miscarriage. Um, you know, and, and we were glad that we didn't have to make that decision. The heartbeat stopped on its own and, um, you know, the technician was very apologetic. And that, that that place, uh, the ultrasound place we went to was amazing. The staff was amazing. Absolutely. They knew exactly what our situation was. They didn't make us wait. You know, um, the, the technician was very well versed in what our current journey was. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it was absolutely amazing. Um, that was so great. Yeah, absolutely. 
and um, you know, they that doctor at the at the ultrasound clinic called my fertility doctor, and um, you know, I I just called and I said, all right, you know, we're booking in the DNC. When is it? I said, all right, well, you know, Friday, so two days time. So okay, cool. Let's let's just get this done. Like, um, I don't want to muck around. Um, you know, and in the midst of that, um, yeah, keeping in mind that I hadn't even been at my, oh, I'd only been at my job for six months and, you know, like all this crazy shit had happened that I'd had to tell them about. And then I had to go and tell my manager that I just decided to be upfront and just kind of say, look, I'm pregnant, but it's not going well and I have to go and have a DNC. Um, you know, and I just said, look, I, I want to be upfront because, uh, you know, I need more time off work, you know. Um, and, you know, once again, oh, you know, at this point we we told, you know, our siblings and Amanda's parents what was going on and, you know, everyone was pretty devastated for us once again. Um, and, yeah, we just went in for the DNC. And that was a much more pleasant experience doing it privately. Um, you know, you go into the clinic, they know your backstory, they know everything that's going on, you're in, you're out. Genetic testing was a standard that they did. So, um, you know, you come yeah. out, you get tea and toast, and, you know, a heat pack and you're sent on your way. There's no waking up in dark rooms by yourself. Um, you're not in with, you know, endoscopies and other things like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was much easier in that respect. And, you know, then we just came home and, you know, just kind of went through the motions, had the weekend and then went back to work on Monday because um, I couldn't afford any more time off. Um yeah, so that, you were also able to take some pretty strong pain medication for well, your back. Yeah, yeah, and so then at that point, once it was over, I could take pain medication for my back, and then, um, you know, I could also have an MRI because I couldn't have an MRI while I was pregnant, and you know, one thing led to another, and I ended up in spinal surgery a week ago. But um. <laughs> You know, that's that. So recovering from that. Um, but, you know, in hindsight, there is absolutely no way that I would have been able to carry a pregnancy um, and have the issues that I had with my back. Um, you know, I was in excruciating pain up until the DNC. Um, so, yeah, I, I honestly don't know how I would have actually gotten through a pregnancy, to be honest. Mm. Um yeah, and so that pretty much brings us up to present day. You know, we have the genetic testing on, you know, the contents of the pregnancy. Um, had the follow-up appointment with the doctor only a couple of days ago, and there's nothing genetically wrong with that baby. Um, so, you know, there's still no answers. We don't know to, why she miscarried. I don't know yeah. why she miscarried. Like, um, you know, they also... Uh, you know, tested my uterus for infections, you know, there was no infections, you know, there's just no good reason. And still, I am under the category of unexplained infertility. Um, You know, no answers, nothing. Um, Yeah, and that's... We did get to know the sex of the baby, though, so, I mean, that's good. Yeah. Um, it's, it's good to to have a little persona or, you know, some identity. Have you decided to name the baby or anything like that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, it's none of the names that we had in play to name the baby. It's something completely different. And, yeah. um, you know, we, we named the first one. So yeah. mm-hmm. um, we'll name this one and, mm-hmm. you know, go through a process of, you know, you mm-hmm. buy a little star and that's mm-hmm. where it is and... Yeah. Um, that's pretty much all you can do. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, but it's good. It, you know, it 
you know, it's it's hard because uh, Elena said it makes it all that more real, but it was real. It was yeah. completely real, and yeah. it deserves to have to, to it deserves to feel real, like and be recognised. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's it's good. Yeah. So, you know, and now we're kind of. So we, the... we do have one frozen, untested embryo. Mm, yeah. So we've got two frozen: the cha- the chaotic mosaic, but the doctor said don't bother. said don't bother with that one. And we've also got one untested frozen. Um, but we're not quite sure what we're going to do next. And so it was untested because it didn't get to the stage that they could actually test it and yeah. still be useful. Mm-hmm. So we had to opt for just freezing. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're not sure what we're going to do with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, obviously, oh yeah, sorry. Um, you know, we're in the, the middle of this um, COVID-19, COVID-19 lockdown. Mm-hmm. lockdown and yeah. All fertility clinics are closed. So yeah. Um, we're kind of on a forced break at the moment. Yeah, a forced break. That would that was going to be what I was going to say, and you can't really do much now anyway because everything's on been put on the back burner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so you've sort of spoken about your relationship, like as a couple, um, your relationships with your friends and your family. Like, how have they been impacted? And to add on to that, your relationship as a couple. What advice would you have for other couples facing these kinds of things? Mm, um, it's definitely impacted the majority of relationships that we have in our life um, in different ways. We have lost some friends mm-hmm. um, purely because they just don't understand our situation. Um, I think it's strained a lot of friendships because we quite often have to say no to going out or have to cancel things because of fertility treatment or you know, miscarriage. Um, and people just kind of don't understand that. Um, and they're kind of like, well, you know, come on, just come out. But it's, you know, when you're going through a cycle and you've got injections to do that need to be refrigerated, it's just a lot to go out and it's just easier. And, you know, and I just feel awful while I'm in the middle of a cycle, so we just don't want to go out. Um, so that's, I, I think that's kind of strained a lot of relationships because people just don't understand mm-hmm. um, because we've had to put this first all the time. Um, with family, you know. Definitely up and down. Definitely up and down. Like we're not easy to deal with um, and our family has tried to deal with this the best that they can but sometimes can be pretty insensitive. Mm-hmm. Um you know they don't mean to, of course, but um, it it can happen. I mean, yeah, it can it's happen. people do get on with their life, and you yeah. know, I don't expect them to remember all the time that we're still going through this, or um, it's hard. You know, it's it, it's always hard to balance. But I think you know we love our family. Our family loves and supports us. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be quite tough, but you just got to have understanding. Yeah, so, it, it, and it's hard. It's going to be hard. It's, and yeah. I think probably it, our relationship, fucking brutal. Yeah. Um, absolutely brutal. It's, yeah. I mean, in one way, it's like made us stronger, but at the same time, it's it's almost been points where yeah. it's just absolutely broken us. Yep. Um, there's times where I thought I I literally can't keep doing this. I, mm. you know. I can't keep coming home to this. I, mm. It's tough. Well, there was points where you avoided coming, you oh, yeah. stayed at work. I'd stay at work, yeah. Because, yeah. Um, you know, she just didn't want to be around me. And, you know, I completely get that, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it's been really tough, but I don't know. I think, I think the toughest part for us is Amanda always feels like she needs to protect me and go into battle for me. And that's, that's been the point of strain for most of the family relationships because Amanda is trying to be this middleman all the time, um, trying to, to make sure no one upsets me. And vice versa. And vice versa. Trying to filter her anger and her yeah. 
frustrations that can come out very blunt at times mm-hmm. um try and filter that to not translate into burning bridges basically because mm-hmm. um, it can very easily do that mm-hmm. um i think that's super hard because it it makes it seem like i'm probably not 100 percent on her side but i'm just try to deal with everything and try and make sure that everybody is okay. Is everybody okay in this scenario? Nobody's fucking okay. So I think realizing the fact that nobody was okay, especially me, and I just got really exhausted from trying to do that. Um, So I think the advice would definitely be be honest with your partner about how you feel if you're angry with something um, or if you don't like something or if you need need half a day to yourself just be honest yeah I think that's what we do like we just tell it how it is with each other and we tell each other what we need and what we need from that person at that point and as tough as that can be sometimes I think that's what's worked for us um you know yeah and I think in regards to sorry what was the other other (laughs) advice very loaded question wasn't it yeah um just advice for your friends and family and friends and family of Um, people going through fertility treatments and losses and i mm. think um if if you have a family member who says they're going to start fertility treatment do a bit of research um get get some knowledge on it um i mean there's Every fertility clinic has pamphlets that your family can read and stuff like that. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, and I don't know, just you ask the person how, what they need. Yeah, you don't necessarily... I think people going through fertility treatment, you don't need to fix their problems. I think a lot of people think that they need to give you answers and help you fix your problems. But most of the time, you just need a place to vent. You just need someone to talk to. And, um, you know, you don't need to be told all the cliche things like, mm-hmm. you know. Um, just relax. Just relax, yeah. you know. Um, just listen to what they're saying and just and just let them go um and it's exactly the same thing with grief dealing with someone who's grieving yeah. don't say cliche things mm-hmm. just say real things like this is so shit mm-hmm. this shit situation i'm so sorry what do you need mm-hmm. um what can i do yeah um and i think the best response that i got um with the first miscarriage was just fuck i'm so sorry and that's all the person said mm-hmm. And that's all they needed to say. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, what else could they say? You know, uh, and they just, they just listened to me. They just listened to my story. And that was exactly what I needed. Yeah. Um, I think also don't be afraid to ask for help. I think uh, uh, the first part of our journey, we were so um, closed off and we were just dealing with it because we didn't want to bother anybody with it. But <clears throat> especially towards the end of like November, 2019 where I couldn't do it anymore mm-hmm. um I had to start asking for help and I had to start asking mm. Alana's family to help with Alana's PTSD and stuff like that because I I couldn't I couldn't continue um so definitely ask for help because it is there mm-hmm. um and most people are just waiting on the sideline because they don't want to interfere yeah um so yeah ask definitely ask for help yeah mm-hmm. yeah Make sure you have your special, you, you still have the things that make you happy, whether it will be your animal or some kind of hobby or art form or something that's not fertility related yep. in any way mm-hmm. to get you to have a little mental break. Yeah. Um, that's what I did after our first miscarriage. I decided to get back into music and that's been the best release for me for the the journey up until now. Um, yeah. You know, um, I can't like say that enough make sure you've got other hobbies and things like that don't close yourself off from the world either as much um, as you will want to yeah, yeah as much as you want to you know there's you know our story is just our story it's it's pretty shit 
Um, but there's definitely someone out there who's had it worse, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah. And there's always going to be someone who's had it worse. Yeah, for sure. And I think I think you need to laugh at yourself as well. Mm. You know, like as tough as this has been, there's also been a lot of like ridiculous moments that we've just laughed at. You know, like me just taking my pants off in the, <laughs> you know, in the ultrasound office and, and things like that, like, you know, just like the... Oh, no, when it was, like, a really hot summer and we had, like, the pessaries that melt if it's too hot, like, trying to find somewhere because our apartment gets ridiculously hot, so I think we stored them in your parents, like... Yeah, they went to my, in the wine... In the wine cellar <laughs> or something. We, like, we have to find a cool place for the pessaries. Um, <laughs> just the ridiculous things yeah, happen all just the way. stuff like that. You've got to have a laugh at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or when I accidentally stabbed you a couple of times when I wasn't as confident to give you the, the needle or, you know, just really stupid stuff yeah. that can happen. You know, or asking, oh, what, what colours did this charge today? <laughs> you know, being really comfortable with talking about discharge or talking about just, oh, just every kind of like, bodily, like functions. bodily functions or, oh, yeah. look at that sperm, that's great. Or, yeah, that's, that's no... Look, I'm 100% lesbian, so look, sperm and that. I'm just not really comfortable with it. Um, Neither am I. Do not not need to see it. That's great. Um, I don't understand why it's so expensive. There's so little of it. Um, And it's so easy for them to give. Like, what's the problem here? I know. Just come on, guys. Give it. You can give it. Give it. Um, (laughs) And just, yeah, and don't be afraid, like, to talk about things yeah yeah because there's we've learned so much about our our own body and about how hard it is to have a baby or um alana's knowledge of fertility now is jesus like are you a fertility specialist now (laughs) yeah she just needs to get a degree and you know um because you know if you talk about it other people become empowered and knowledgeable and Mm -hmm. uh you shouldn't be scared to talk about any of this because it's all real and everybody experiences it. Yeah, I think, you know, like I've kind of been on, been on a mission to talk about it and normalise everything because, you know, we've kind of come into this, you know, as a same-sex couple who didn't necessarily have infertility and now have the diagnosis of infertility. So uh, for us, you know, I know like a lot of, say heterosexual couples have a lot of embarrassment around Mm. the infertility diagnosis and don't necessarily talk about it and keep it quiet um and you know i just want to normalize it and it's been amazing the amount of people who have come to me and said like oh hey i went through ivf too Mm -hmm. um you know and I don't know. That's, yeah, that's just kind of my mission to normalise it because, you know, I don't want people to be hiding it. Touching on, like, going right back to the beginning, so you weren't able to access rebates at first. At what point did they kick in? Um, So that was after the three IUIs. Um, So after that, like, the rule is kind of after three IUIs, you can be made infertile on paper. And moved to IVF, yeah. Okay. Um, and so we follow you guys on Instagram. Mm-hmm. What point of your journey did you set up your Instagram and how have you found that it's helped or hindered or...? Um, so I, I set that up before we started. Um, I, I look back at the beginning now and I was so naive. Um, I did a post. Uh, I'm kind of doing a, a series of posts at the, mo- at the moment called... Um, musings of IVF and it's kind of like my reflections of you know now and then um stuff like the name of the Instagram it's like seems so yeah exactly like the name of my Instagram mummy plus mama like we thought it'd be so easy um and we would be mums and now we're stuck with this name which I've considered changing and we're still not mums but you know you know I started that at the beginning mainly for a diary for myself and then I started finding this whole community of um, women, you know, gay, straight, single mothers by choice, you know, all of the above, two dad families, everything. 
um, of, of people going through fertility treatment and um, all walks of life. And I've, I've connected with some amazing women um, and found some like amazing accounts along the way. And um, yeah, it's been great. Like it's helped me because I kind of find some of the forums online can be like a little bit bitchy. Um, but I found like the women on Instagram or the people on Instagram, I should say, um, you know, seem to be quite genuine and you can have some like great conversations with these people and everyone's like really supportive and encouraging. Um, so I've really liked it from that point of view. Amanda doesn't really have much to do with it. She Mm -hmm. just like, I just kind of do that on my own. Um, and you know, that's just kind of my little vice. Like I don't, you know, I've kind of, you know, picked up quite a lot of people following me that are that are also in this infertility community and um you know, I don't really know where I'm going with it or what I want to do with it, but um it's good to just express yourself there. It's good to express myself yeah. and it's um, you know, I've been able to help other people, which is great. Um there's been a whole lot of you know, mainly women contact me at the beginning of their journeys and they ask me questions and you know I'm, I'm happy to answer those questions for them anytime and, and have a chat with them and you know it's been great you know they uh, you know a few of them you know that there's a few of us and you know we kind of vent to each other chat to each other and you know it's 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 been really great in, in that way yeah that's great yeah. uh if you could go back and give yourselves any advice right at the start what would she say? Uh, get testing done on your embryos. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, it's a tough one, isn't it? Like, because we're still in it, I, I don't really know. It's like, all I can think of is kind of, you know, be patient, but you're still not patient no it's i think advocate for yourself yeah. you know um research and advocate for yourself um you know of course these are the doctors that have all the knowledge but you're paying them for a service and <laughs> you know your body too yeah you know your own body and a lot of uh, you know i find a lot of the doctors like to override kind of what you're saying and not listen to you but I've really found that you've just really got to be strong and advocate for yourself and put your foot down and say, no, like, this isn't right when you feel something's not right. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, Yeah. Uh, And just go with your gut, I think. Go with your gut feeling um, because it's generally right. Yeah. Yeah. And also, you know, do your your research and if you don't connect with that medical... Absolutely. Find a doctor that yeah. you connect with. If you don't connect, yeah. if that's important to you, firstly, if that's important to you and you don't feel that, move on mm-hmm. until you do find that because that's really important, putting your trust in, in a doctor. Um, and, yeah, I would definitely opt in for testing earlier rather than later, to be honest. Um, yeah. You're not the first people to say this, to, to advocate. That is a very clear consistency, I would say, in every episode. Yeah. We are hearing the same thing again and again, and people are deferential, myself included. I'm pretty sure Tiffany's probably experienced the same thing. You go in, you expect these doctors to be the um, omniscient or knowledge of infertility or fertility mm. and all that sort of shit, and... Um, they're not <laughs> they're yeah. human as well and yeah. they have their little special specialty niches and all that sort of stuff and you know you forget that it's your body in a way because you're just so like okay we'll just do whatever this person's telling us to do because they know and we don't really know anything and I think that's something that I'm learning and I hopefully our listeners will learn as as more of our episodes come out that it's okay to be like no I want to do it this way like we have you guys considered um, Amanda doing the stim round and then Alana carrying the eggs or like the embryo and the baby? Would that is that a situation that you might consider or or not really? No. So I'll let Amanda answer most of this question from her point of view. But sure. 
um, short answer, no. Mm -hmm. um, we are thinking that our ne next step might be reciprocal IVF, so using Amanda's eggs and me carrying, oh, transferring the embryo to me. Yeah. But I will to answer. Oh, so that's what the, that's what it's called, reciprocal IVF. Yeah, See, yeah, I didn't right. know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Cool. So, yeah. Still learning. Woo. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, so it's essentially like a like surrogacy or egg donation. Yeah. yeah. But because Green. you're in a relationship, yeah. it's called reciprocal IVF. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So yeah, basically, I well, from the get go when we discussed this, Alana was always going to carry the baby, and obviously her egg. You know, um, I've pretty much been firm with the fact that I've never desired to be pregnant mm -hmm. at all. Um, and I guess that's one part that Alana and I really show our differences is that she's dying to be pregnant. Mm -hmm. She's dying to push a baby out. And I'm like, holy shit, that <laughs> is just horrific. Um, <laughs> and I definitely was not one of those little girls that was dreaming of, you know, marriage and a baby and everything that's like, you know, pumped into your your kind of knowledge of you know a, a woman has a baby and that's her duty and stuff like that I've definitely never thought of that and I've never wanted to be pregnant so yeah um however we're in this situation where I'm still able to be a mother because I am nurturing and get clucky like everybody else <laughs> um but I can be a mother without having to carry the baby um so that was great you know, when, when you realise that. Um, and I guess of late we've talked about using my egg. Um, however, I've seen Alana go through this and it is terrifying to me, mm -hmm. absolutely terrifying to me, even that I won't carry the baby. I'll just, you know, she can have my eggs. Um, it is absolutely terrifying to me, all the needles, all the appointments, all the... Oh, you know, drop your pants, Let's, you know, that magic wand that just looks terrifying to me. It's just, um, so yeah, um, currently that's what we're thinking of doing now. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously on hold for the COVID-19, but I'm about to go get a ton of blood tests and uh, my first um, internal ultrasound, which I'm very much not looking forward to at all, <laughs> um, just to see what, what my what my eggs are like because um, it just seems the most logical in our journey at this point mm. in time but I'm absolutely terrified um, and it was kind of hard for me to kind of come to terms with doing that because I never wanted to carry a baby so I never kind of thought about having a genetic having a genetic child yeah. um, which it, it, it's still hard for me to get around I've never had to really consider that before now um, yeah, and I'm definitely terrified. And will I be able to to deal with it all? I don't know. Mm -hmm. yeah, I think it would be easier if I hadn't seen it all firsthand. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, su super scared. And you know, what if mine aren't any good as well? Mm -hmm. So um, it's definitely a fear. Um, but yeah, it's definitely something that we're we've, we've kind of started doing. Yeah. yeah. And then if that doesn't work. Um... We'll start looking into surrogacy. Yeah. <laughs> Which that's a whole other ball game. So Oh yeah. 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 Um Amanda, you said at the very beginning again as well, and this has just made me think about it then, that um your niece, the arrival of your niece changed for you because before that you were pretty, you know, like, well, whatever, blase about having kids, but then that sort of changed you. Are you able to just walk us through that a little bit more as, like, what what in your mind, how did it change your thoughts about having kids? Um, I just became completely obsessed with her. Like, um... And still are. And, st I, I still am, both of them. Um, I... I just found it like absolutely remarkable that this little person that did not exist in, in our family before came into it and everybody just went batshit crazy for this little person. Yeah. Um and I looked at I looked at her and she was a part of like a part of my part of me, yeah, you know, <laughs> like we have a we have a bond and and I've always I've always 
like loved like nursing little babies to sleep. Like my mum used to babysit uh, these two kids who were family friends who were now very old. But when I was a teenager, I absolutely loved sitting in the rocking chair with them and rocking them to sleep and changing their nappies and doing all that stuff. So I've always loved that. I just kind of thought it would never be possible because I I was I never wanted to carry a child. Yeah. And I think when when I held my niece, I was like, oh my god, yeah, I really do want want this i i would love this little thing to depend on me and be able to 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 watch her you know grow up or have an impact and watch you know watch development little little minds develop it's just um i can't really explain it i i when she came along i just got so soppy it was ridiculous like it's um they're just so powerful right and i think the more it became unobtainable for us the more I felt that I wanted it and I was really angry that we couldn't have it as well. It's like at the start I said I was really strict. I was like, this is going to be too much money, so here's where we draw the line. And it became like an addiction. Like next next time, it's like gambling, next time it's going to be a winner, next time we're going to get it and then everything's going to be happy, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not going to be stuck in this perpetual sadness all the time. Um so there was a, a lot of different things that, that changed my mind over time, but definitely yeah. her birth was the biggest, yeah, yeah in my cluckiness, I guess. <laughs> that was just really fascinating how you said that, like you were able to actually pinpoint it to being that one event in your life, you know. Um, so some people, you know, are able to do that and others aren't, you know. It's like a flick, uh, a switch has just been flicked in your mind, you know, and you're like, give me a baby now, you know. Yeah. Like, if if it's here, I can totally do it. Like, I always second-guess myself. It's like, oh, I don't think I'd be a really good parent. I'd probably be really, you know, bit shit. (laughs) What if I I suck? What if I stuff it up? But, like, you know, this child isn't even mine and I would Mm -hmm. fucking do anything for them, like absolutely anything, just to hear them laugh. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So thanks so much for joining us today, ladies. Not a problem. Thank you for having Sorry, it was a bit of, it's a bit of a depresso story, but, like, <laughs> yeah. we can come back one day with a... With a good one. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you like listening to the podcast and would like to share your story, we will pop the link in the show notes. Be sure to hit subscribe so when we release new episodes, it lands straight into your listen now. If you could also leave us a review for the show, that would be so appreciated. No words are needed, just stars. If you're on the Apple app, scroll down to the bottom of the podcast page and tap to rate. This makes a massive difference to our show's visibility and helps us to get our show out and about to others experiencing fertility treatment. IVF Tales is an independent production made by Amy and I. Music is by Vlad Gilyshenko. You can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. Mm-hmm.